1: Focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the Makers of
0: Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen. Welcome to the Makers of Minnesota, episode number 66. We are here talking with Minnesotans that are involved in cool projects, doing cool things, and today we have Katie Sanchez from Be Free Honey. Katie, I am so glad to talk to you because I think I first ran across your product in certics. Maybe I want to say like even, could it be five years ago?
1: Oh, no, we were not in certics quite that long ago, but possibly three. Yeah.
0: So right. When did you start? What year did you start with Bee Free Honey?
1: Uh, well, Be Free started as an accident. <laughs> as and... most good things do. <laughs> In 1999. And then I got my first bottle on a shelf locally in the end of, I think it was November of 2011. Okay. And uh, and then we went national about three years ago.
0: So tell me Bee Free Honey. I'm going to have you describe it because I can just say it tastes like honey, but it's not honey. But tell me in your words why you have Bee Free Honey and how you would describe it.
1: I would describe it as very honeyesque, and then at the finish, there's this breath of apple, and um, it cooks, bakes, acts, tastes very similar to traditional honey.
0: And the viscosity of it is just like honey, but it's apple juice.
1: It's apple juice. Uh, it's, it, I, how I describe it is it's a lot like maple syrup in concept. It's a slow-cook process. Um, but it's, it's simple in concept, but much more complex in practice. Yeah. So did
0: you start it because you were concerned about the bees or you said it was an accident? I was
1: trying to make apple jelly. I didn't read the directions. Okay.
0: This is hilarious.
1: (laughs) I was in a hurry and I really I had a lot of apples and a small amount of time and I was determined to try to make apple jelly. I was a uh, novice jelly maker and um I I it was the last thing on the list and I was going to do it no matter what. Yeah. And so I didn't stop to take the time to find out how one would go about it. And <laughs> Just guess. What what was
0: your day job when you were doing this? Uh,
1: Actually, my day job was I was a pastry chef for Whole Foods Bakehouse. Oh, okay, sure. And and, uh, my son was born special needs, and he was home from the hospital, and he came home on machines, and we had somebody to watch him for a while, which is why my time was so limited, and so... Anyway, I hadn't been in the kitchen since forever. Yeah. And uh and so this was my opportunity to get it all out of my system. And uh I was watching it cook and the person was, you know, tapping their watch saying, "I have to go." <laughs> and so um I uh looked at it and knew it was wrong, but I don't want to waste anything. Yep. So I canned it. And in the morning I looked and it was just like honey. I was, "Wow." how'd that happen? Yeah. And so um, it was years later I had started hearing about the decline in the honeybee and my father was a beekeeper while I was growing up. Uh We grew up with an apple orchard in our front yard and uh, just, I have a love of bees, personal curiosity. I started talking to my dad, what's happening? And then he said, why don't you talk to my friend? He's, doing it on a larger scale. So then I started talking to them. And what I started to discover is that how bees are in modern day being kept uh, for commercialized beekeeping, which is the majority of the honey in the U.S., is so far gone from, I guess, the natural way you would
0: keep bees. They're trucking bees from farms to farms. Almond farms, really, in California are where a lot of the bees are.
1: Uh, almost all the produce that you get is pollinated by... Um,
0: Worker bees.
1: Yeah, commercialized beekeeping. Yep. And what happens is, because the natural life of a bee is a two to three mile radius of pollination, and then they go back to the hive, and they make their honey, and the nectar is made into honey, and the pollen is basically baby food. And, um, and that's their world. Yep. So now they're being trucked across the country. They're being exposed to every climate and not in a natural way. It's over a couple of days. They can be from in Maine to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, every uh, crop uses a different pesticide. Every state has different parasites. If, um, you know, if, if they're pollinating oranges in Florida, it's not just one truck that comes in and lands and pollinates. Multiple trucks come in from all over the country.
0: So it's like sending your kid to kindergarten where they're getting exposed to all the germs. The bees are getting exposed. If
1: hive A is healthy yeah. and hive B is not, well, they've just cross-contaminated. And so their, their world has now just become this massive expanse of being exposed to everything. And then because... Uh, there isn't enough honey to meet demand. Um, only one third of the honey in the U.S. is actually harvested in the U.S. Everything else is imported. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they do is they harvest the honey and then they feed the bees sugar, water, and corn syrup. Mm-hmm. And so their bellies are full, but it's um, nutrient empty. So they're being exposed to everything. They're being starved. Because they're being fed nutrientless food and you know um, and then we are asking why are the bees dying right It's not just pesticides
0: so from that point of having an interest in the bees to marketing a bee free product and marketing it, like how did you latch on to that this is like honey and this is how I should market it?
1: That was a progression actually I um, In the beginning, I was really afraid to market it that way.
0: Because it would seem like you weren't supportive of bees or that you were competing with the bees. Was that your concern?
1: It wasn't so much that I was... um, There are a lot of really angry people with us um, for what we're doing. It's actually amazing. We've gotten uh, death threats. (laughs) We've We've been... Uh, told, I've been told I'm an abomination of God. Why? (laughs) Because, you know, I think it's, um, well, one, I don't think people understand what we're trying to say. I don't think people understand that we're actually advocating for the health of pollinators. Right. And we completely understand that we can't, in our society today, we can't have a uh, honeybee population thrive without beekeepers. We of completely course. understand that. We are not anti-bee or anti-beekeepers. Right. But if we want to save our pollinators, we need to look at the whole problem realistically and honestly so we can solve it and, and not hide behind the cloak and... Just continue business as usual, right. and it makes people really mad to hear that. I mean, and I get it. Change is hard. Yeah, you know, we have to change the way we do agriculture and um, not have a mono-agricultural system.
0: So that's the sticky point, haha. With you is <laughs> is people that are supportive of bees or beekeeping feel like you're somehow not advocating for their bees
1: yes we we've been accused of trying to make it harder for beekeepers um that's so crazy
0: you're only one lady one company i mean <laughs> you're making a locally made but
1: if you look at if you look at just mayo uh the egg industry yes really went hard after um josh josh tetrick because of his eggless mayonnaise right and if you look at soy milk the dairy industry went after soy milk now and and i think that change is scary for people
0: yeah and i for me it is i will admit when i ran a company you know change always was a fear point of mine Mm -hmm. but the world evolves too and if we're only able to fill a third of the need of honey in the united states then why not and your product's great. It oh, tastes thank you.
1: Great. Oh, thank you.
0: What my biggest problem is with your product is, so I've, I've used it probably, I thought it was five years, but I've probably used it for three. I'm that person that I don't love honey. I just don't use it very much. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. I wish I used it more. I see the benefit of it. I like the taste of it. Sometimes on yogurt, sometimes on ice cream. I just don't really use it a lot. Mm-hmm. So you sent me some samples, which I really appreciated. And there's like six flavors now of Bee Free Honey. And I'm staring at them
1: all thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do do with
0: all these? (laughs) So tell me about your six flavors and how they originated or what was the first, the original?
1: The original was the first. And then um, from that, we built the line and... I actually have over 60 flavors that Really? Yeah, because R&D is my thing and I love to cook and bake yeah. and so and I just approached it with how do you use honey and why not take a step out and add the flavor in and just so we have mint and we steep fresh mint leaves for that and it's beautiful in teas. Yes. But if you're doing a vinaigrette It's lovely in vinaigrettes, um, marinades. Mm -hmm. If you have uh, a watermelon or a melon that's not quite there, you can warm up the honey and it thins out to a pure maple syrup consistency and toss that in with the fruit. Um, If you fine chop rosemary, you can put that into the honey, the warmed honey and, um, and the oils release toss that with fruit and it's really gorgeous. It's lovely. And so uh, we have the mint, ancho, chile, we steep whole anchos. These are all flavors from from ingredients. We don't use flavorings. Um, I thought about using that like in a
0: pork chop. As like a marinade for a pork chop?
1: marinade, barbecue sauces. finishing sauce, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's really nice just drizzled on fresh-cut strawberries. Mm -hmm. You just uh, drizzle it on strawberries, let it macerate for 10, 15 minutes, and then um, put that on your oatmeal. It's fabulous. On toast, it's beautiful. I mean, really, um, salad dressings,
0: I thought about that because I've done some work with Salad Girl, and she's got Mm -hmm. uh, some vegan dressings. And I thought about, wow, if the two of you maybe partnered together.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are so many things in this world that are one ingredient away from being vegan. (laughs) Yeah. So we're actually working on becoming um, more involved with ingredient supply right now. So,
0: Is it... um... Is it hard to get shelf space for your product? Because from what I can tell, you're the only one that's like yourself.
1: Yeah, so it's always
0: an education process.
1: It's that is our biggest challenge: yes. is letting people know what we're about and um, and how that they use our product the same way they would use traditional bee honey. There really is no different. You you can cook, bake, just, you know, straight up. Right. So do you
0: have to educate people through, I mean, do you use social media? Do you use your website? How do you primarily get the word out about how to use your products and what they're about?
1: All of the above. And then demonstrations store in-store demonstrations or at festivals and that kind of thing. Yep. Um answering emails. We get lots of emails uh, asking us about it. And then, yeah, on on social media. And then we've made some... um, We have a YouTube channel. We've made some recipes there. So, you know, any way we can, word of mouth. So how many people are in the company? Actually, it's just uh, Melissa and I, my Mm -hmm. business partner. She's in Texas. And uh, we just... Recently, we were on the show Shark Tank. Tell me about that. That was crazy. How did
0: you find out? Was it a casting call? Did you go to the one they had at the Mall of America?
1: No, um, actually, <laughs> actually, I had applied two years prior, mm-hmm. and I had gotten as far as the video submission. Yep. And they, ne- I never heard back. And then I had met my business partner the following year, and they called me and asked me if I would like to reapply. And I asked my business partner, and we did the video submission, and they never called back. <laughs> and then the following year, they called and said that we were uh, had been recommended by someone at Food Network, and we don't know, sure know anybody at Food Network. Right. We've never been on the Food Network, so I really think they had the wrong company. <laughs> But I didn't say anything. I just said, Yeah, sure. Of course. <laughs> so I call up Melissa and she was at she was actually at a show in New York and um a food show in New York and said uh, Shark Tank just called. They wanna know if we want to reapply. And she was at no, that took so much time yeah. that was so much work and they're not gonna call back. And I said it's Our video submission, if we just tweak our video submission, I think we can do this. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want, I don't want to do this again. So all I said was, I'm just going to leave this with you. It could be an opportunity we're walking away from. So just think about it. And she felt guilty. Sure.
0: Good (laughs) guilt.
1: so we did it and we really put a lot of effort into our video submission and it's a very long, in-depth, arduous process. It is not something where they just accept you and you move on to the, it is a weekly commitment it is a lot of time and effort. And mm-hmm.
0: you're vetted, and they're trying to make sure you're not a nut farm. And... Oh, my gosh. And
1: every week they cut somebody, and you don't know if you're cut yeah. or not, and it's crazy. So when you finally got on
0: the show, did you make it in front of camera? Because sometimes you can go and not be on camera, too.
1: There were a lot of people in our, they call them pods. There are a lot of people in our pod that uh, left after the first day. Mm-hmm. You have to pitch in front of the producers before you pitch in yep. front of the sharks. And if you don't do well in front of the producers, then you don't move on. So, yeah. And uh, and we actually didn't know we were going to get in front of the sharks until about, I think it was about 9 o'clock at night the night before. Yep. They called and said, you're on tomorrow. And this is what uh, hour we're picking you up. And be ready. And, you know, you're just out there in limbo. So, you know, (laughs) oh, my God, we should get back to the hotel and sleep.
0: (laughs) So you get to the cameras rolling. You're Mm -hmm. in front of the sharks. What sharks were you in front of?
1: We had uh, Mark Cuban, uh, uh, Damon, and Barbara. Um, And then there was Chris Saka was Mm -hmm. the guest shark. And then, Mister Wonderful,
0: right? Mister
1: Robert. So, no, not Robert. Oh, yeah, Mister under-
0: Wonderful, he, the bald guy. Yeah, okay, he's who's not always that, crabby? He's not that one. <laughs> so, you do your pitch and recap what happened.
1: It went well. We were actually in there almost two hours, and uh, and they whittle it down to five minutes. And the first hour was a horror story. And they immediately assumed we were anti-bee, anti-beekeeper. Yep. And Damon is a beekeeper. So he started tearing us apart. (laughs) And, and, you know, they warn you, the worst thing you can do is interrupt the sharks. Okay. And so we're trying not to interrupt. But all this misinformation is being put out. And I am thinking in my head... I'll be damned if I go out of here with all of this inf- wrong information about my company. I've spent too much time working on this. It's so
0: funny, too. Like, I don't know why I'm so stunned at this political nature of what you're doing, but you're making a product that acts like honey but is not honey. Yeah. Period. You yeah. You know, you can have your feelings about bees or not, but, I mean, And it's... you can
1: use it or not. Yes. Or you can... <laughs>
0: So Damon gets all of his undies in a bundle and then the second hour happens. Did you get an offer?
1: Well, so I was able to explain to stop stop him at one point and explain to him. And then the tides turned. And then they were able because the first hour I don't think we said more than three words. Wow. And um and it was just fighting amongst themselves. And then the second half we were able to have a conversation. And then we were the first women owned company First uh, vegan company, first uh, food company to get uh, three sharks.
0: Wow! Yeah. So, uh, did you take their
1: offer? We did, and we closed with all three.
0: So, what does that mean?
1: Um, Does that
0: mean that someone on that panel is a percentage of your company?
1: Yeah. So, we have Mark Cuban, Barbara Corcoran, and Chris Sacca. I mean,
0: you closed with all three. Is that unusual?
1: Did Um, they
0: like create a side deal or?
1: No, but it took a lot longer because that means there are four sets of lawyers. Yep. And every time there's a change, it has to go around the circle again. And um, so by the time we aired, we had not yet closed, which was a big struggle because we went on the show because we needed expansion money. Yes. And when the show aired... We hadn't closed, so we didn't get the money. And we were in a facility where we had hit ceiling. Mm-hmm. And even with having hit ceiling, our sales grew 300% that year. Yep. Wow. And that's with turning away all new business and all existing business. We were cutting all of our orders in half, if not more, and just outright saying we can't fill it. Because it became so overwhelming. We literally couldn't do any more than what we were doing. And a lot of bridges were burned. Right. And, you know, and you're trying to fill all of this while simultaneously closing a deal, Mm -hmm. looking for a space that's bigger trying to find either a co-packer or a space you can afford to build out. Yep. And um, and then the onslaught of, you know, media opportunities, uh, emails from the public. Yep. I mean, it's just, there's, there's no way to prepare for it because you have no idea what you're preparing for. And, um, I mean, we did the best we could. But you know a lot of retailers got upset with us, sure a lot, and so once we closed, and once we found a co packer, and you know nobody wants to do slow cooking anymore, right in this day and age, it's all heat and pack and ship it out, and so it was really difficult for us to find um a slow cook co packer yep and um and then it was training them discovering that the equipment we thought we had doesn't work for extended periods of time, having to get new equipment, waiting for it to be built, installed, tested, retraining. I mean, by that time, you know, Shark Tank is great in a lot of ways. If you are able to just ramp it up, get on that wave and ride it. But it's a double it can be a double edged yeah, sword. I can too. imagine.
0: So what percentage of the company are you and your partner left with after your Shark Tank experience?
1: Um, well, uh, we we have 70 percent. OK, so that's a considerable amount. Yeah. Ten percent. Controlling interest. Yeah. Ten percent for each of the sharks.
0: And do you have to really work with them or is it more sending them your P&L and they give you suggestions now that it's kind of all said and done and lawyered up?
1: Yeah, so in the beginning, they want weekly reports, mm-hmm. um, and they're a little bit more vocal. And then after they get to know you, then, you know, weekly reports aren't quite as demanded. And if you're in a busy space, they just let it go. And
0: and the investment that they made allowed you to grow, I'm assuming. Was that partly how you were able to have new flavors, too?
1: Well, no, we actually had the flavors when we went on the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but after we got the investment, we were able to uh, file for a patent for our last flavor, which is poll- flower pollen infused, which, uh, you know, up until that point, our biggest complaint was it doesn't have the nutrition of traditional bee honey. Right. And now we've been able to bypass the bee as again and go straight to the flower and get flower pollen extract and it's uh, extracted without any chemicals and uh, it's a pure form of pollen that has all the nutrients that you wouldn't expect but it's actually because we're custom blending it it is a complete nutrient profile Can you
0: describe what the nutritional benefit is of pollen? Because I don't think people get that part.
1: Yeah. So, just as if your food, all of your food has its individual nutrient value. And in the pollen has nutrient value. But so that's why, you know, if if you read about uh, bee pollen it has the potential of having every nutrient the human body needs to survive right that's interesting
0: yeah because i know a lot of the beekeepers will sell bee pollen
1: as a n- as nutrient a like, nutrient supplement you
0: drink by the spoonful or yeah yeah
1: mm-hmm. well so and it has that potential but what nutrients are in there depends on what flowers that bee yes. has visited and you can't and the reason there's no nutrient label on um honey is the the keepers can't test every batch sure to find out what nutrient and then customize that label so our honey what we do is um we have pharmaceutical grade pollen and so there's no allergic reaction uh as in the bee pollen which has all the allergens and you know uh You can't filter out the impurities um so our flower pollen is a pharmaceutical grade and uh, we custom blend it so it has a complete nutrient profile it has all the phytosterols the um and um it's actually a two-page list of nutrients yeah and so we're going to have the first honey on the market with a complete nutrition panel so that you know everything that you're going to get in every tablespoon of honey that you purchase of bee free honey of bee free honey
0: um are you able to make a living at this now is this your full time job and you're supporting your family
1: yeah well um we you know after so after all of this yeah. and we bought the equipment yep um we moved it down to Houston and then the hurricane hit <laughs> so at, up until that point we were paying ourselves, and it was all great and everything. And then, um, so now we're taking a break from paying ourselves yeah. and rebuilding. And that does kind of happen when you it have does. a company. You
0: sometimes can afford to pay yourselves, and other times you can't, and it's you just, just the bootstrap re- it. It's
1: the reality, and you have did to the hurricane be...
0: hurricane impact you? Did it impact your building?
1: Yeah, it impacted the um, co-packer that we were using, wow. and it was... A really scary terror. And I have to say, the scarier part were all of the people that work there that you get to know. Yeah. And, you know, hearing that somebody lost their home and there were a few people that nobody could get a hold of for yeah. a while. I mean, that was a lot scarier than, you know, and then at, um, for a while we could see. The security cameras. The owners would take a, a snap uh, of the screen and send us a photo of the security cameras, and then the security cameras went out. Yep. And so then it was days before. Oh, it was. Yeah. Stressful. Yeah, and it's you know, and it's we had just installed all the equipment. Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> so you've. When you look to like, do you have
0: a p? You have a PNL because obviously you're working with the sharks. They're going to demand a PNL. When you look out to like the next one year, three year, five year, is what's the plan? Is it just to keep selling and get into more retail locations? Is it to find more ways to utilize the honey so you can have more customers?
1: Yeah, you know, um, our we're really hyper focused on ingredient supply right now and food service. Mm-hmm. Because one of the best ways for people to become familiar with your product and how to use it and trusting is to see other people use it and how they use it. Yep. It gives a better understanding. And so um, I feel like we can reach people more effectively that way. And so we've been really uh, going after... um, Introducing companies how they could integrate bee-free honey and uh, have a sustainable product, uh, cost-stable, yep. and, um, you know, friendly. I love pollinator it. friendly
0: Well, you've really been on a journey. Um, do you have any words of wisdom for anybody else listening out there that's thinking about starting a food product?
1: It's... It, it, it can't be understated enough that it takes so much longer than you ever plan on, and it's. And I, I go back to Denzel Washington's quote so many times in my head. If you stay in the barbershop long enough, you'll eventually get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's all right. Pretty much in a nutshell. We've
0: been talking to Katie Sanchez. It's be free, honey. Um, locally I know that they carry it at Cerdix. are there other places that you'd like to mention that people can pick it up at yeah okay. Yeah, the co-ops yep for sure thank you so much for being our guest today you. you're the first person we've talked to that's been on Shark Tank so that's pretty neat <laughs> um, my husband actually was an inventor and got down the road did the video a couple times and then never made it any further but it was a really fun process so it's good to hear that you actually made it oh thank you and thanks for being our guest today thanks for having me